this has probably been the most extreme example of self-doubt that I've experienced in ever. Some of the things I've shared in this book are so intensely personal and some of them are stories that I really truly never thought I would share publicly. Some of them I hadn't even told my own parents before Mm. writing this book and I just hope that it makes some women and men and non-binary people feel a little bit less alone. I would love this book to be the antidote to loneliness and some like a warm cup of tea, just like a comfort for someone who feels like no one else, they haven't had this conversation about this issue with anybody else. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. I've got a little bonus episode for you this week, lovely neighborhood, with the wonderful duo from Shameless Podcast, Mish and Zara. I've been so lucky to share so much of the book writing journey with these two, culminating in our joint book birthdays on September 1st. So we sat down that very day to get their freshest feelings on launching their incredible guide to your 20s, The Space Between. You might remember they joined Seize the Yay back in April 2019, much earlier on in their journey. So we called up on the explosive growth of Shameless, the highs and lows of the space between then and now. Sorry, couldn't help myself. Then dish up the behind the scenes dirt on what it takes to bring a book into the world. You probably also know that they hosted the Seize the Yay book launch the day after this chat. So we've had a lot of each other lately and it's been as enlightening and enjoyable as always. We scrapped the normal episode structure for the occasion in favour of a juicy, honest chat about the roller coaster of feeling we're all going through right now. Add the extension of stage four in Victoria yesterday and I'm a bit all over the place to be honest so I won't keep talking or I might open the floodgates but sending my fellow Victorians so much love and I hope this brings you a chuckle and a smile as you listen along. Zara and Mish. Welcome back to the show. Hi. Hey, thanks thank for, having, for us. having us. Oh, Again. wow. We are the same person <laughs> now, aren't we, Zara? I know. So much time spent together. It's like the exact same thing just comes out of our mouths now. I love it. You guys have just morphed into one beautiful person. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> It is so, so wonderful to have you guys back and so exciting because this is our mutual book birthday. I I couldn't think of anyone I'd prefer to share it with more. It is so nice having this kind of weird experience with you. Like it is such a weird thing to kind of spend a year or so writing down your thoughts and kind of having those thoughts just as yours in your head and then pushing them out into the world. Like that transition is really odd. So I'm glad you're here too. Totally. Happy book birthday, Sarah. How are you feeling? Oh, thank you guys. Yeah, really good, but also weird. Like I think (laughs) this is why I've loved going through it with you guys because we're all in Victoria. So we've all been through the whole writing a book, not knowing how relevant some parts would be because ISO didn't exist when we first started writing and then not being able to see the book in stores and then also being so excited, but not like it just literally feels like I printed a book at Officeworks for me and my family. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Absolutely, totally. Like seeing some of the um, Instagram stories of our listeners going and buying the book in a bookstore, I'm like, even 
looking at an open bookstore right now feels like such a foreign concept to me. Like I'm just so used to walking past closed shop fronts. The fact that businesses are open in your state is wild. It's bizarre, right? Like none of us saw us ourselves launching books in the middle of a pandemic, let alone in stage four lockdown. Zara and I were supposed to be interstate on a book tour right now, mm. and that's absolutely not going to happen. But all of that said, it's a beautiful day today. The sun really like brought it out for us and it's not that bad. Like we all get to do stuff like this, which makes it enjoyable and fun. And I also kind of feel like the general population's appetite for reading is probably a little bit higher in this Mm. scenario and and their openness to reading things that involve reflection on themselves. They're probably much more open to that than they would have been otherwise because that whole crazy, like weird busy rushing momentum that we were all on before this is slowed down a little bit so I wonder if actually it's a the perfect time to launch our books I mean it's a lovely way to look at it isn't it that is the hope that is the hope let's see how it translates what the reality is like Well, before we go into the content, you guys know I love to sort of look at people's pathways and like what they've been doing and also the fact that life really unravels in chapters, which is, of course, a big way that both of our books have unraveled and so much has happened, obviously, since the last time you guys were on the show. Mm. So in the space between then and now... (laughs) Nice work, Sarah. (laughs) How much of what you guys have done between then and now was planned how much was spontaneous how much was COVID related like are you guys where you expected to be are you beyond that you know what has everything between then and now been like for you guys oh Zara where were we the last time we came on CZA I'm trying to like do you know what date it was Sarah oh yes I will find out I mean I didn't mean (laughs) I should have done this because I'm finding and late 2018 Misha's finding this too that our sense of time is so warped at the moment. And I think the pandemic has done that. Like our favorite activity of the last couple of days has been sending each other like random moments and being like, when do you think this happened? And us having no idea. That's so I just find one. my perspective on time completely warped. Yeah, particularly. And I already time. have, I'm like temporarily challenged. Like I already have <laughs> a terrible time scale. I'm not, I've been known for it since uni. So you know how some people will look in a room and they'll be like, oh, that's 200 people. Mm. And I'll be like, oh, that's a thousand. And then the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like that with time as well. I'll be like, oh, remember that time? Like I'll talk to Andrew all the time about, you know, my tiny apartment in Hong Kong. And she's like, I was like six then and we didn't know each other. Like I <laughs> oh just have, God. I haven't no ability whatsoever and then COVID has obviously just made it so much worse (laughs) totally (laughs) okay guys 2nd of April 2019 what did you guys hear me I said late 2018 I would have said late 2018 too so you know what Sarah in April 2019 we were in talks with Penguin to write this book like that was sort of about a week before that I reckon we would have got an email asking if we wanted to write it so it's been a really long time and a really long process If you were to ask me where kind of I thought we were going to be, I just don't think I would have thought we would have been where we are now. I think I am really, I just, I just didn't know what to expect when we were building Seamus, particularly from the early days, because we didn't have a set plan. We didn't have a business plan. We kind of don't operate looking further than a month or two out. So I'm pretty um, stunned that it was only kind of a year and a half ago that we were talking to you. Yeah. It's so weird. And it's so bizarre to look back on, like when we got, that email from Penguin, the timing was so serendipitous in that 
we had only a week earlier been talking on a car ride to a meeting about how we'd love to write a book together about life in your 20s. And then a week later, this email lands in our inbox. So it was so like profoundly exciting. It was a bizarre experience. So I feel like we're always so open and honest with our audience and our community on what we're working on and what's coming out next. Like they always love hearing like when the next Love Etc. season is going to drop or like what we're working on now. With the book, it was like this big secret that we were just doing in private that we couldn't contractually tell anybody about until March of this year. So it was almost 12 months of us working on this in private, in secret, before our listeners could even know what the hell we were doing. Like, I'm sure there were parts of us getting on the podcast every week, talking about how exhausted we were or how much we had on our plates at that moment. And our (laughs) listeners sitting back and being like, something doesn't add up. Like you guys put two episodes (laughs) of a podcast out a week. What are you doing with all this time? But what we were doing was writing, writing a lot. And um, it's such a, it's such a rare experience, I think, to write a book with one of your best friends Mm. and to have some parts of it that you write on your own, that you go away solo. Like there were so many days where Zara and I would kind of split it in half and we'd just go into our respective apartments or we'd split in the office into completely separate corners to write our own pieces. But then we came together to write like email chains and listicles and fun little things throughout the book as well. So it has been a process, but it is so surreal to be here now and know that it's out in the world. Yeah, gosh. And something you said right at the beginning about the fact that you didn't really have a business plan. You just put every single thing and every part of yourselves into Shameless, the book, the community, the podcast and everything, not knowing where it want, you know you wanted to go with it. I think that's why I'm such a proponent of not planning too hard because that mm. leaves open the possibility that anything can happen. The fact that you guys have moved so far from only where we chatted in April last year is just proof that like this whole seizing the a concept is about the idea that literally you can go in any path or any direction that you want and anything can happen if you are open-minded enough you know what as well I'm I'm not I'm not grateful for COVID I don't want to say that I think that's semi-offensive to everyone who has suffered so much and I have loved ones who have suffered a lot in this pandemic so I'm not grateful for it but I am partially happy that having a change of circumstance has really forced Zara and I to adapt and find solutions. I feel like as shitty as the last six months have been and as profoundly anxiety inducing they've been for so many of us, they have kind of forced us into our homes and forced us to find a way to just get shit done. And I think you would know that as well, Sarah, that our whole business is us sitting in a room together having a conversation and we haven't been able to do that for months. We've been isolated and recording on separate computers in separate rooms with dodgy Wi-Fi for ages. But having everything online has also opened so many doors for us and I'm happy that that's happened because we've been able to get some incredible guests on the podcast that we never would have been able to get if we were still recording in person because they don't live in Australia and they're far too busy and important to spend an hour with us so as shit as this time has been and as much as I wouldn't wish it on anyone because we all know how hard it is it has shown us a different way to do things and potentially a more effective way to do things as well. Yeah, for sure. I think we'll take so many different things out of this that will make everyone in the world's working culture and working structure so different in a, in a way that I think was really overdue as well. Like so mm, many times yeah. it's such a privilege to be able to fly everywhere and do appearances and stuff like that. But sometimes it's like, is this really necessary? Like we mm. could be doing this online. This could be so much more efficient. Absolutely. And people are in constant, I mean, we both wrote about it in our books, people are in constant burnout because of the way that we've been doing things so far. So maybe this is such a great way to change the way that we all spend our energy and, mm. and get things done. So the book... 
I have <laughs> so many words and so not enough words all at the same time. It was <laughs> such a pleasure to read. I very rarely read a book all in one go, especially a nonfiction book, but I was absolutely captivated by every word. You guys are just incredible writers. I'm two years nearly into my 30s and I still am <laughs> like, oh, wow, I'm clearly still in my 20s in my brain because every part of the book <laughs> resonated way too much. <laughs> so it's a very surreal day the moment that Mm. all of your personal thoughts that you were kind of writing to each other almost Mm. not really I mean I wasn't really thinking that eventually some strangers would actually read it oh yeah and I know it's you know we'll get into the self-doubt and all the things that you worried about in releasing it but I'm going to be really awkward and make you guys say what you love about it most what are you most proud of we haven't been asked that I don't think um so that you know that's my specialty (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. I love it so much. Um, I'm thinking. My favourite parts of the book are Zara's piece on painful sex. I think (sighs) the way she opens that story and the way she closes it is one of the most powerful things I've read and one of the most poetic things I've read, actually. I think it's such a gorgeous full circle, that essay. And I absolutely adore Zara for being so open and candid with people I think it takes a lot of bravery to be open and honest about any trauma that you experience in your life but particularly sexual trauma I feel like that's a certain element of life that a lot of people feel a lot of shame over and understandably so for her to break that down and road that away is something I'll always be proud of and so happy that that's in our book because I think it will make so many people feel less alone Mm. my favorite story of my own would probably be a really silly one I write a um like 2000 word essay on the space between my fridge and your fridge (laughs) I just like that essay and I'm really happy that went in because I think it encapsulates a certain side of your 20s that not many people, I don't know, tend to talk about, like the messiness and the literal just like clusterfuck of it all. And I'm happy it's in there because it's just a lighthearted, funny essay and I love writing lighthearted, funny content. So while there's a lot of like really deep and emotional and serious stuff in this book, I'm happy that there is silly content as well because it encapsulates my personality and Zara's personality, I think, to have that there too. Yeah, I think um, for the book in a general sense, I mean, Michelle was quite specific there, which was very lovely. But I think in a very general sense, I like the balance of the book. Like I like that it is balanced between being very silly and being very serious. And I think Michelle is much better at coming up with those silly ideas than I am. And I really like the kind of general sense of vulnerability that's kind of infused in the pages, like particularly the essays. I mean, Michelle's last essay is one of the most powerful things that I've ever read. And I think it takes a lot to be able to put yourself on a page in a way where you kind of, you do have to write it thinking that no one will read it, to be totally honest with you. And I wonder if you guys agree with this, but for some of those essays that we wrote or that I wrote, you can't possibly think about the people reading it because I think you just you you wouldn't be able to get it out properly mm. and you wouldn't be able to get every single piece of vulnerability on the paper and I remember that painful sex essay that Mish spoke about I I wrote it in the first draft and it got sent back and I just binned it straight away and I had to kind of like rewrite the entire thing from the start because I didn't give myself I didn't give enough of myself over to the essay like I didn't say enough I was trying to protect myself and it just wasn't working and I think writing that I was thinking too much about every single person that was going to read this essay so I had to rewrite it assuming that that it was just me and it was just Mish and it was just our editors reading it and and I think that's the only way you can kind of get this done in a powerful way I think 
Totally. I actually think we, just before we started recording, we mentioned that whole idea of it being very intimate, even when you know someone really well. And even if you know a lot of the story that you're reading, it's so much more intimate to read it in the way that they would have worded it if there was no audience. And I kind Mm. of think that's why podcasting is such a powerful platform because you do have conversations as if there's no audience because there isn't one, but Mm -hmm. then an audience later gets the benefit of that intimacy, which is why it's so beautiful. Mm. And I think you guys did an incredible, incredible job of opening up about vulnerabilities and things you've actually often never talked about before and infusing it also with the lightheartedness and the bits that make you literally laugh out loud. Like I was hysterically (laughs) laughing about, you were talking about your fridge, Mish, and like the floppy carrot and semi-liquefied bag of spinach (laughs) that is still in my fridge right now. Like I, I was in hysterics, but, you know, it's very hard in one book and especially with two authors to make that switch between the very serious that's almost you know tear-jerking to the very light-hearted and mm. laughing out loud content without it being really artificial or stilted and you did it in such a clever way with like the diversity of format so mm. for those who haven't read it yet there's essays which are like big chunks of text on themes that are written by either one or the other of the authors and then there's um lists of what do you call them listicles listicles <laughs> i read that in the book you and I was are like, so is that 32 a word? sarah davidson <laughs> yeah I clearly it's am. such a um i'm pretty sure it's a made-up word in digital media but that's only just strike like it's only just hitting me now that that's probably a, a completely made-up word like zara a buzzfeedism <laughs> And like then there's emails to each other and there's like quizzes and there's just such a diversity that you like every page is new and engaging in like a totally different way. But then you go back to more serious like it's just it flows so well. Your use of capitalizations is just extraordinary. Like I love it so much. And I also love one of the things that really stood out to me was the space between being an adult and your parent's child, like that is such a crisis of your 20s that even like now in my 30s, I'm still grappling with that whole idea of Mm. there's just so many parts of your 20s that your heart is sort of beating so hard the whole time reading your words because we identify so strongly with all of it Mm. and you guys give so generously of yourselves. What about the self-doubt and imposter syndrome piece? Like maybe not so much as you're writing it because you are, forgetting there's going to be an audience but like now are you nervous about how people will receive it did you have moments as you know you bin chapters like how is that journey of like this is good this is shit like I have a chapter in my book I don't know if you guys are up to it yet that's the delicate dallying between this is wonderful and this is shit like that's Mm. that's life Mm. like everything is like I'm amazing I'm terrible I'm amazing I'm terrible (laughs) look there has been a lot of self-doubt I think Zara and I are so used to putting out content and hearing feedback on that content within three hours of it being live. Like before doing Shameless, we worked at Mamma Mia in digital media and you would write a piece and it would be up on the website a couple of hours later. So we are so not used to creating work and writing things, particularly very personal, exposing things, and then waiting for a year. Like it's so bizarre and it's so bizarre as well having this cutoff date where you can't edit it anymore like that is the book you have to be happy with it I think anyone who is slightly perfectionistic which I will put my hand up and say I absolutely am will know that that's incredibly hard to say this is supposed to be your best work and at some stage you're gonna have to put your hands up and be like okay that's the best I can do because you'll probably never think that it's your absolute best work you will always find something wrong with it And even now, like I get anxiety picking up the book and flicking through it, right? Like for the promo leading up to the launch of the book today, we're recording on the day it's gone live. 
we've been putting up little snippets from the book on our Instagram page to kind of get people interested and showcase some of the topics we cover. But every time I open the book to find a passage to write on an Instagram, I'm crippled with anxiety that I'm going to find a typo or I'm going to read a sentence that is clunky and doesn't make sense or is illogical or repeats a word unnecessarily. That's been huge for me. Like the self-doubt as well with some of the things I've shared in this essay or in this book, sorry, are so intensely personal. And some of them are stories that I really, truly never thought I would share publicly. Some of them I hadn't even told my own parents before Mm. writing this book. So the doubt there as well is really intense. Like I've spent a lot of time over the last two weeks in particular feeling all-encompassing dread, to be honest, like complete dread about people reading some of this stuff. But I think that was just a process now of me needing to shed those feelings. Like I know that I wrote some of the stuff in this book for a reason and I just needed to sit in that bad feeling for a little while. But it's been so bizarre because I've woken up this morning and felt really good and really strong and really powerful, I guess, like in a good way, like empowered probably is the better word for it. That yes, there was so much doubt, but now it's out in the world. I can't change it. What's done is done. And I just hope that it makes some women and men and non-binary people feel a little bit less alone. I think um, for me, this has probably been the most extreme example of self-doubt that I've experienced in ever, maybe. I remember the kind of periods where we'd get the book back and you'd have to go through the editing phase. And I think we had that two or three times and I would just never want to open my computer to Mm. read what the editor was saying because I didn't want to have to confront my own work again. And it sounds so self-indulgent. And to be honest, I think the entire process of writing a book is like the most (laughs) self-indulgent thing you can ever do. But (laughs) I think I, I really, really struggled with it. Like I, and then it kind of peaked a lot for me maybe three weeks ago and I don't think being in lockdown helped. I had no distraction and then every Saturday and Sunday my mind would just go wild and I couldn't work out why I felt to be honest like just so flat. I'd never had self-doubt manifest in just feeling so flat. There were like way too many tears over it and again it's very self-indulgent but I think when you put a lot of yourself on a page and you're putting it out into the world and people don't like that work then you can't not take that personally because you have poured so much of yourself into it. But strangely, very strangely, the last sort of 48 to 72 hours, I have felt much like Michelle does, like far more emboldened and far stronger. And I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, yeah, some people will like it and some people won't. And what is Mm. the worst thing in the world that can happen? Like, Mm. what is the worst thing somebody can say? I probably said it to myself already. And Mm. I'm I'm not as phased by that anymore because I think I literally did everything I possibly could have. Yeah, I love both of those answers. And I think it is such a process of like just an emotional clusterfuck, the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was Harlan Coburn who said to me that all writers don't love writing, but they love having written. And I was like, yes, I fucking hated so much of the process. Mm. But then when it's actually out there, that's when you're like, oh, my God, that was the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> like it, <laughs> once it's actually out and once you can't change it anymore and once it's irreversible, that's when it becomes really empowering because you're like, OK, I, I can stick to my word. There's no chance of like going back on it. But up mm. until that last minute, I think it's the the idea that it's still not concrete. I think Mm. there's still an element of like, oh, fuck, I could change that. Like, well, I could take it back. Take it all back. (laughs) You know what it feels like? It kind of feels like to me jumping off a ledge into the water, like jumping off a diving board. And I feel like the last two weeks I've been creeping up to the edge of the diving board and feeling like, fuck, 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 fuck. It's a long way down. And then today I'm like, well, I'm floating through the air or I'm flying through the air already. So like, what can I do? It's happened. I've just got to embrace it. 
what I thought when you were telling that metaphor is I thought you were going to say, and I was going to say, this is quite good. I mean, it was very good. But I thought the process of writing a book is that you've already jumped off the ledge in the ah, process between it sure. being public, like it being done, and it in being the space out in the world. between the diving board yeah. and the water. <laughs> you're floating, <laughs> and you can't go anywhere. You're just kind of floating. I mean, falling towards the water, but you just kind of want to hit the water. Right. I don't know where we've gone. That's also a good metaphor. <laughs> Let's use both. <laughs> I also love that there are so many parts of the book where, like, there's an actual line in the book where Mish is talking about something and then she just writes fuck 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 and like I can hear you <laughs> saying it in my brain like you guys write it how you speak and I love that as well like you you add so much journalistic flair and there's so much like literary magic in there but then there's also such conversational parts where it's literally just like fuck 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 shit 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 what have I done and I'm like I'm we all think that, that. <laughs> no I'm glad yeah. to hear that because I think it was a big thing for Zara and I that our voices sound a little bit different because while we do write similarly sometimes I think our writing voices are quite distinct from each other Zara and yeah, I would hope that I think so people one one piece of feedback I've heard from friends who have already read the book which I loved was that you can hear us reading our chapters out because people are so familiar with our voices and how we talk in the podcast people know who's written what essay and people even knew with those snippets on Instagram they knew who had written what based on how they know us and I love that I hope that our voices come across as two separate entities in the book Absolutely. And that's why I love the emails to each other as well, because I feel like it's very clear how certain ideas and concepts, how you came to that, like Mm. whose view was veering which way until you finally came to some kind of middle ground. And that's really instructive of how your relationship works. How Mm. did you guys actually make those editorial choices? Like, did you both have a clear view that it would have different formats and that you would not write any chapters together as well? I was interested Mm. to see whether you did it all separately or together before I read it. We were um, pretty meticulous with the editorial planning beforehand. I mean, I remember like after the contract was signed, we drew up this like fucked table that was (laughs) color-coded and like we sent it to our editor right away and I think she was a bit overwhelmed by it. But we had, we knew straight away, like Misha's right, we have pretty distinct writing voices and I just don't think, I mean, this is not to say we can't, we couldn't write together, but I just, I could never see how it was going to work. Like genuinely, because I don't know how when you're kind of stubborn in your own voice, you kind of give over some of your voice to somebody else and, and, and vice versa. So we had always known that we were going to write separately and kind of we knew once we, st- we knew the things we wanted to write about, the heavier stuff. And once we knew that heavier stuff was sometimes heavy, we were like, how are we going to lighten this up? Because not all of your 20s is, you know, traumatic or confusing. Like some of it's really fun. Like Mm. this is the time in your life where you kind of have no one depending on you. You can do whatever you like. And that's a really lovely, beautiful thing. And we need to make sure that shines through too. So I loved writing the listicles and stuff together. I mean, it was... (laughs) It was really fun. We would literally just sit at a table. Someone would have a laptop and we'd just throw ideas at each other. <laughs> and some were knocked back. Yeah, <laughs> most weren't. I was actually going to ask, how did you go with critiquing each other's most intimate writings? I mean, I remember with Zara's painful sex essay that I was pretty honest that I said, I think you need to be more honest with yourself and more honest with your experiences. But I don't think we we're ever critical with each other, no. Zara, per se. I think like... The relationship she and I have built is one that is so infused with honesty, but Mm. it's also one that's infused with huge respect. Like, I don't think I've read a piece of Zara's, apart from the original painful sex essay that I thought, oh, this isn't your best work yet. But everything that Zara handed to me, I was like kind of in awe of. I, I adore her writing. And I think that's perhaps why our working relationship is so strong 
we have a huge amount of respect for each other. Like I think the fact that my work gets to appear alongside hers is the biggest blessing and privilege in the world because I kind of feel like I can sometimes be this dead weight and there are some essays in the book that (laughs) part of me still wishes I could pull out and not publish but the Zara like it's okay because Zara's work is brilliant and I love so many of her pieces that she's going to kind of like pull me along anyway so I think that's good and like as far as criticism goes we aren't really critical of each other I think we often give suggestions on what could strengthen a piece or often how to round out a piece I think that was the main piece of feedback we wanted from Mm. each other we would get to the end get to the final paragraph and be like I don't know how the fuck to tie this up. Like, what's my point? Why have I just done this for 4,000 words? And the other one always has the perfect ending. I think, um, I mean, Misha's right. I've said a few times, like, this feels like the cheater's guide to writing a book because you get someone else's brilliant work under your own byline and you have someone else to carry your dead weight stuff. But I think when it comes to kind uh, kind of critiquing each other's most intimate work, it's interesting to me because I would say we would almost deliberately hand over the intimate stuff more than anything else. And I think that we're both pretty self-aware about what the work is lacking Mm. being like I know what this is lacking but I don't know how to fix it and we'll always just throw it to the other person and the other person will be like well it's obviously this and then you're like oh yeah of course it's that (laughs) which was really lovely because it's it never feels like critique it's just like hey can you solve my problem please yeah and we tend to do it a bit what were your most difficult or uncomfortable parts to write and I think I can probably guess and what were your most joyful parts to write? Because I definitely found some parts of the book were just a pleasure and I could feel myself almost like self-actualizing as I wrote because it was like <laughs> such a profound experience of like reflection for the first time on something. But then there were also parts where I was like, this is such a drag. I hate it, but it has to be done. It has to be part of the book because it rounds out the whole thing. For sure. Yeah. Do you remember parts that really stood out to you as like awful and wonderful? I mean, the hardest part for me was writing, uh, I think writing about both my parents being sick and it wasn't hard in a sense that like it was an emotional thing to write. I actually don't think I struggled. I don't find it hard to write about the emotional things. I think it actually is quite clarifying for me and I find it very, uh, I don't know, meditative almost, but I found it hard writing about someone else's experience and it's really hard to know how much of someone else's story you can tell to tell your own. Because in some ways as a kid whose parents were both sick and you are trying to navigate that period of them, you know, being really, really ill and you're trying to work out, well, what the fuck is my place in the world if I am not just their child and how do I care for them in the way that they've always cared for me? I think that's a story, but it's also, you know, a very intimate story of their help. Mm. So that was hard. It was really hard. And it was also, I also kind of almost felt embarrassed sending it to them before when it went to my publisher because I was like hey here are all the thoughts I've never said to you over the course of the last six or seven years and I'm sorry that it's taken me to write a book and to put it out to the rest of the world for me to tell you this like I wish I wish I could have just told you anyway but I found that hard the wonderful things I don't know to be honest it sounds silly but I think the wonderful things have been writing writing about the hardest most emotional experiences so for me it would be like a vaginismus endo stuff that I I feel incredibly lucky to have been able to do because it's helped me make sense of things far quicker than if I never wrote it down. Like it's been the biggest joy in the world being paid to make sense of my own experience. Like again, (laughs) how fucking (laughs) self-indulgent. But especially with the condition and normalizing it, I think it's something so many readers won't have ever heard of before Mm. and chronic pain in any form but particularly in when it affects you sexually is something that is so taboo so difficult to access information about so easy to misconstrue as normal I mean 
for yourself for exactly sh- no, not knowing sure. um, yeah it's, it's not very sexy I'm like, it's literally <laughs> the opposite of sexy um and I kind of just like got to the point where I've written about it enough and spoken about it enough which uh, that I've just suddenly rid myself of any shame or any embarrassment talking about it which just stuns me a bit because I never thought I'd get to that point mm. hardest essay for me I mean it is the last essay of the book and I probably won't go into detail if that's okay Sarah just because it's an intensely personal story and I kind of, of want it to be the only story like I don't want to become the poster child of the particular issue that I discuss and I don't want to talk about it again and again because it was also a, a short period of time in my life that affected me for a long time and I don't want to I don't know relive it over and over again um anyone who reads the book will know what I'm talking about and what that essay is about but obviously I think with trauma particularly trauma that you've kept to yourself or you've only told a few select people it's a massive decision to then share that publicly but I think seeing a psychologist for three and a half years now has been so clarifying for me and so emboldening Zara said that word before and it probably describes the situation perfectly to work through experiences and also find the lessons and kind of look back on your life and connect the dots and realize what you took away from certain bad experiences so that essay like I'm really I'm happy I wrote it as difficult it is as it is to share publicly and as um exposed exposing as it feels I'm happy that I wrote it I'm happy that it's out there and hopefully it helps people the difficult essay for me again was about my parents as well like I wrote about my parents splitting and having quite a difficult separation they don't speak anymore in my 20s and I understand that that's probably quite a niche experience I don't think a lot of people have their parents split or have not a nasty separation but a not super amicable friendly one when they're already adults so that was tricky again because it wasn't wasn't my story like Zara's wasn't always hers either it was belonging to her mum and her dad so that piece took a lot of conversation with my family. They all read it, I think a full year ago now. They read it ages wow. ago. And then also like weighed in with bits that they were and weren't comfortable being in there, like small wording changes that made them feel a bit better about it. But I'm happy with where that piece is now because I feel like it encapsulates the experience from the person going through its perspective. Like it encapsulates my experience as being a child of a messy separation not the minutiae and the nitty gritty details of what went wrong in my parents' marriage. Mm. So that piece was hard and I had to really be careful with how I told that story because I absolutely adore both of my parents, regardless of what happened between them. I am so much closer to them now, five years on, than I was before they split. And I would hate for either of them to read that essay and feel that I didn't reflect or adequately represent who they are because they're both incredible people in their own right and I adore them to absolute bits. So walking that fine line was tricky and I'm sure it's probably a tricky piece for them to read as well, but I think I finally got there after a few redrafts. I loved it because I had the same experience as you in Mm. that very niche situation where you don't feel like you can quite have the same response as a young child because you're like, I'm fully formed, like I shouldn't Mm. lose the plot the same Mm. way that I might when I'm a child but it does leave you in this kind of vortex of like what's my reaction supposed to be how am I supposed to respond to this and yeah yeah, I I loved the way that you dealt with it and I also love from both of you how there's a very fine line with being incredibly open and authentic and like borderline controversial dealing with topics that are heated 
of like people assume that openness means oversharing, like so mm-hmm. much information. And like it's you're not sharing unless you're TMI. But Mish, in your last chapter and in the chapter about your parents, like it wasn't about the minutiae. That's not what you ended up sharing. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that because I think that's a different way to deal with something than most people would think. They would think open means gory, like, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. <laughs> and to be transparent, Sarah, the first drafts of both of those essays were nitty gritty details. And I'm really happy that I worked on both of those pieces so consistently because the last piece that went into the book and the first piece I wrote are almost two completely separate different things. And I think I it was catharsis for me to get those first drafts of each story out. But I think they were stories that were for me, not for the world. They were more like hashing out exactly what happened and the event itself and like blow by blow accounts. Whereas the final piece was more me writing it for people who aren't in my circle, me writing it for the woman who might have been through the same thing. And I think that's why I'm so grateful we got to write this book because it made me kind of work through my own shit as well. Like Zara said, it is hugely meditative to write about trauma and write about things that have affected you in your life. And I'm grateful I had the time and space to get through it because the worst thing in the world would be putting out such a personal, intensely personal essay like the last one and not being happy with it or not feeling like you got to the actual point. Mm. But I'm confident that that story is the story I wanted to tell and the way I wanted to tell it. I also think there's something, the funny part of writing a book is that it's such a static representation of who you are and what you think. Mm. And I even spoke to Zara like maybe a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about how already since we handed in our last drafts. We've had revelations and ideas or reflections on things Mm. that we're like, oh, damn it, like that's not in the book because it's like already developed since then. And that's a very hard thing. But all you can hope for, especially as, you know, perfectionists like we talked before, all you can hope for is that you're really, really happy with everything now. And I think that means that in 10 years, even if you cringe at it, in 10 years, you can be happy that at that moment, that was, you were happy with the way that that represented your thoughts Mm -hmm. and your personality at that time. Well, I think it comes back to that idea of like, I don't think we could have done anything more. Like when it comes to the hours that we put into this and the energy and the emotion, there is not much else we could have done. And as much as it pains me sometimes to think like maybe my thoughts would be far more evolved on this had I (laughs) penned it down now. I also might be like giving myself way too much credit in the moment right now. But you you do, you can't help but look back and think like that because the majority of these essays I wrote before I was 25. I was, you know, the last few months of being 24 and now I'm 26. And I don't know, that just feels like two very different ages. (laughs) Probably because they are two very different ages. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like... It's, it's a really interesting experience and I think because the, the publishing industry is uh, kind of evasive and a bit mysterious, a lot of people don't realise how long ago you kind of originally penned these thoughts and feelings down. Yeah, totally. Do you guys have like, if there was an outtakes or blooper reel, are there any parts that now you wish you had added or left in or that you would take out if you could? I mean, there were so, there, I think there were more than two essays that I took out of my own. Whoa! That I'm grateful that I did the piece I'm probably the most not concerned but I'm the least (laughs) confident in would be the breaking up with one of my best friends I'm not confident that's my absolute best work that's one essay where I'm like "Mm, I feel like I probably could have done that better or maybe like shouldn't have included that yet I don't know. Are there any pieces where you're like, "Mm, I could have done that better? Well, I kind of haven't let my brain go there because I just, (laughs) I don't really know what the point is. Like, of course, 
it's impossible for every single piece in this book to be your best work because then like what is your best work if 10 different things is your best work you know and I don't know I just don't really I don't really think it's the point like yes there'll be stronger stuff and there'll be weaker stuff but what I found really interesting is having given the book to one of my best friends one of my old housemates a couple of weeks ago and she was kind of it's it's hilarious when you friend, send a friend a book because they kind of just like live message you as they're reading it and they're like <laughs> yeah. shit, sorry I should stop messaging but also this and she picked out this thing that she loved the most which I kind of hadn't really thought about we, we forgot it was book. even in the book Zara like, sent it to me being like this was Emily's favorite part and I was like I didn't even like I don't even remember writing that it was so long ago <laughs> and, and it does speak to this idea that everybody will take something different like everybody yeah. will take something different from the book and um it's very it's a relief it was a huge relief to read that message from Emily to be totally honest with you because I was like yeah okay cool I'm glad she liked that bit because I haven't thought about it in a long time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that leads me to another topic that I think we all three of us find really really interesting and love to dissect on success and that whole concept of like achievement and fulfillment and what metrics we use to measure that and like what it means in our life and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But I think you you guys also discuss it really, really well in the book. And I'm interested how you would apply that to the book itself. So what are your hopes and dreams for the book to be successful? Because Ooh. I personally kind of find that, you know, how we've talked so much about writing the book for yourself. Mm. I almost feel for myself, the amount I've learned about myself and about life from just putting things to paper anything from now is a bonus like it's kind of already done more than the job I hoped that it would Mm. but then you know in to other people objectively it's like numbers of sales and like feedback and like you know how do you guys making that benchmark for yourself I mean I love that first of all Sarah I think that's a beautiful way to look at writing a book because I'm the same it was hugely clarifying for me in my life I think I mean, I'd be lying if I said I don't care about how many numbers of books we sell. Sell. I do care about that. I hope we sell a decent chunk so that Penguin doesn't think it was the worst investment they ever <laughs> made in their life. My measurement of success, though, I think will be hopefully that people share this book with their friends. Yeah. Like my favorite books, I have bought the copy and then I've given it to a girlfriend. She's given it back to me. I've given it to another girlfriend and we've had a conversation about it and been like, you have to read this book it made me feel seen or it it spoke about this thing that you went through and you need to read it because you'll love it. I hope this is a book that people share with their friends, even if their friends don't want to buy a copy and they pass one copy around to a friendship group of eight people. I hope people share it with their sisters and their friends and their mates and that they, they see a chapter and they go, oh my God, Erica needs to read about this. It's so about her or she would find it helpful. I know this will sound like I'm not telling the truth, but I don't really care about book sales. And I don't think Michelle will be that surprised about that because every time she asks me what I want the book, to, how many copies I want of the book to be sold, I don't really have an answer. Like, of course, it would be nice if it was if it was bought a lot. But we wrote the book. I wrote the book and Mish wrote the book as exactly as she just said with the idea in mind that I want this to be a book that is given to friends or sisters. Mm-hmm. I want this to be a book that is shared around and it to be a topic of conversation among friends. Like that is my measure of success. It's almost immeasurable, which is just such a stupid answer, but it is just <laughs> that idea. Like we wrote to that the entire time and it was the thing on my mind the entire time. I want this to be a vulnerable, a vulnerable enough experience that I've communicated that someone thinks this would be really helpful to, of course, Erica. Um, yeah. <laughs> Our best friend. 
so I mean, you're right. I don't want I don't want Penguin to think it was a terrible investment. I want them to think it was a good investment. Whatever number they want to put on that is for them to decide. But yeah. beyond that, yeah, I just want it to be shared among friends. And the only reason I say that about Penguin is I'd like to write more books, in yeah. my career, <laughs> whether it's with Zara or by myself. So my yes. measurement of success is if I go to Penguin, they say yes, we will publish you again. Like clearly, that's the book a, did that's well a good enough. one. That's like, a good one. That's the only measure. I would hate to go to Penguin, my tail between my legs, and then be like, absolutely not. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> I kind of already think that that won't happen. So don't you guys worry about that. Oh. <laughs> what have been some of the reactions that people who have read it have said that have made you like, we've done our job. Like that is what I want people to think. Is it, do you want it to be a conversation starter? Do you want it to be a source, like an antidote to loneliness? Do you want it to be reassuring? Like what, what are the fit? You know, I always say that quote from Maya Angelou, people will never remember what you said or what you did. They'll always remember how you made them feel, yeah. which helps me away from the perfectionism over like exactly how I word things. And yeah. like, I get so obsessed with my writing, but really it's like the feeling that you want the book to mm. leave people with. Mm. I love that you threw like antidote to loneliness in there because I think that's a huge uh, theme of why we wrote it um if there's any woman or again any man or whoever reads this and feels a little bit less alone than I think that we've done our job I I got this message from a girlfriend a couple of months ago when I'd sent her an early draft of the book like a very early draft and she was really drunk when she was messaging me like she probably (laughs) doesn't even remember this and she told me the funniest thing in the world and she said um I, I shouldn't even be telling the story because I haven't even had this conversation with her. She told me at the time I wrote a list of things because she'd been feeling kind of flat. She's like, I've, I wrote a list of things I'm grateful for or that um, make me feel comfort and reading stuff in your book makes me feel real huge amounts of comfort. And I held on to that so tightly because I thought if if you can you can make someone feel comfort just by expressing something that they've been through, then that's a really lovely thing to be able to say that you can do. So I would love to be, I would love this book to be the antidote to loneliness and some like a warm cup of tea, just like a comfort for someone who feels like no one else, they haven't had this conversation about this issue with anybody else. Mm, I think so. I think for me, I just love for women to flick through the book and just say like, yes, or like me too. Like what you said, Sarah, when we jumped on this phone call, that that brightens my day to know that you flicked through and kind of felt like, oh my God, I want to text them about this or I like have gone through this exact thing. Like it's such a niche experience, but I relate to that. That's important to me. Like I just, I want anyone to read this book and go through it and be like, I have picked up things along the way that have sung out to me and have have communicated things back to me that I'm only realizing now or only putting words to now that's the biggest blessing in the world to have that experience as a reader. And I think if I can provide that as a writer and if Zara can provide that, then we've done our job, hopefully. I think what's so interesting will be seeing the specific things that people resonate with because you don't know what's going to jump out at you. And for me, it was like the weirdest, most specific things that just made me laugh so hard that probably were like (laughs) not the main point of writing it. But like, you know, there's a whole part about like in your 20s, like most of us have bought multiple pregnancy tests and just been like, fuck, fuck, Mm. fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, why did I not take my pill? (laughs) And this like specific description of the butter menthols and the eucalyptus, like double D drops that sit on this stupid bench (laughs) thing while you're like trying to avoid eye contact with the woman 
woman because you're like, oh, it's not for me, it's for my friend. Like I just laughed <laughs> so hard because I was like, yes. And also how, Mishy, you mentioned how you're that person who would anxiously leave, like in talking about anxiety, which of course you know I, I obviously resonated mm. with that part a lot and panic disorder and having panic attacks. But of all of that, the bit that jumped out the most to me was like leaving a test in VCE and turning around <laughs> to everyone and being like, what did you get for question 11? <laughs> and then like if you didn't get the same thing as them on question 11, like you'd run home and, and think about it for like four days. I was like, that's me. And it's so weird because like I can't imagine having a brain that doesn't do that. So like when you write these things out, you're like, well, obviously my brain thinks that way. And then I remember I passed this book around to my friends. They're like, oh, my God, that is so you. And like I could not be more different to that experience like I do not overthink things once they're done I'm like that would be the best way to live like imagine doing something like well it's done I can't do anything about it now instead I do something and I'm like fuck 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 like what could I have done (laughs) differently like did I answer it properly did I say this did I not say that so yeah I think with anxiety in particular it's one of those very unique experiences if you have anxiety that you are kind of craving people who feel the same way as you because anxiety Mm. is so scary and so terrifying at times and makes you question not only everything about yourself but everything about the world that I find myself just desperate, like insatiable for anxiety content, just relatable Mm. anxiety things. So that listicle that I put in as well, I think there's a listicle (laughs) in the book um, that talks about like 29 things. Yeah, 29 things everyone with anxiety will understand, I think is the name of it, something like that. And I hope that sings out to people as well because every single one of those things on that listicle as I was going through, I was like, oh, God. Like anxiety sucks, but it also has some light sides to it as well. And I also love that it makes you appreciate that that comes with how high functioning your brain can be. Like the reason Mm -hmm. why you feel so deeply and why you think so deeply, it's a side effect of that. And I wouldn't give Mm -hmm. up one for the other. It's just like... We all have different quirks that come with the way our brain works. Like the other day when I learned that some people don't have an internal monologue, it like actually wigged me right out. <laughs> don't, I can't <laughs> think about this anymore. What, it would be so quiet. Like, what would you do? <laughs> I know because my brain is just overtime all the time. I would be um, so peaceful. So yeah. quiet, but like boring then. I'd be like, what, who would you talk to inside your brain? Like, I know. <laughs> What about the things that you guys learnt about yourselves and about each other? Not in terms of like necessarily actually parts of your story that you didn't know, but more just like tendencies or things that you found interesting about yourself. That's really interesting. I mean, I actually don't think that there was anything anyway in detail that I didn't, that I learned about Michelle that I didn't already know. I mean, maybe like (laughs) the most specific of details, but generally nothing came as a surprise. Um, What did I learn about myself and Michelle I think I learned that I think I've said this a couple of times but I I think the process of writing this book has really kind of exacerbated the process of um, me understanding the importance of just writing about things or talking about things it's a really simple concept Mm -hmm. but I think I spent so much of my early 20s bottling things up and refusing to kind of let people in because I thought it it was the marker of a good friend not burdening people with the things that were on your mind and I think I was a terrible friend for that and I think the fact that this book is the most open and the most we share and I feel very calm now in some aspects about the stuff that's on those pages is is really wonderful so I learned that I mean the more we the more I do it and the more I share the more I learn about how important it is what did I learn about Michelle I mean (laughs) this will be good (laughs) I'm trying to think I mean 
there's nothing that really um I don't know if Mish could do much that surprises me anymore. I mean, I'm, I am I am constantly in awe of like, I might read, this sounds quite specific, but I'll often still like read a sentence of yours and be like, fuck, that's really beautifully put together and I shouldn't be surprised by that concept. But I still really loved that that came out of your brain and you were able to get that out on paper and articulated it in that way. Like, I think that always surprises me. Um, <laughs> hey, you're welcome. And I'll sit here thinking for more. <laughs> I'll sit here thinking for more stuff, but um, and, and I guess the other thing is again, like the wealth of stuff that that she shared is incredible and powerful and so wholly generous that um, I think a lot of people will benefit from it. Mm. I think what did I learn about myself? I think the same as Zara, owning your voice and mm. just breaking through whatever mental barrier is ahead of you, like just crashing through it and doing it anyway. I think it's been a big one with this book, like just trusting yourself and backing yourself and having a crack and being really open and honest about your life and using your voice to do that. What have I learned about Zara? I mean, this is the (laughs) thing. I've always had the most respect for Zara's work. Like obviously I absolutely adore Zara as a person. Like she's such a good friend of mine and we talk all day, every day, and that is not an exaggeration. (laughs) But I just, writing this book together just gave me this like, Again, a sense of awe. Like, I'm so fucking lucky to work with Zara. That sounded really bogan. So fucking lucky. Now I'll take um, it, mate. <laughs> I'm so, so, so lucky to work with Zara because she has a brilliant brain and she is more intelligent than I am. And that she'll is try also and dispute not true. that, but I don't think our VCA results would dispute that. And she, <laughs> she's just really a great critical thinker. And I love working with someone like that because I'm a very emotional thinker. And Zara is the perfect antidote to my biases <laughs> and my flaws and my shortcomings. So this book just really, I already knew all those things, but this book really clarified it for me. That's what's interesting, Sarah. I mean, it's quite intense writing a book with someone. There's no doubt about it, particularly when you're putting your personal stories next to each other. Like that's pretty intimate anyway, like sharing sharing the floor together. But we have worked so closely together for such a long time that that nothing I, I just nothing really comes as that much of a surprise and that's I don't I think that's a really almost I think that's a great thing like you know each other so intimately that there's very few things that could shock surprise shock or surprise you I should say your dedications to each other were so lovely they were like <laughs> like what did I even write they well I don't Did usually read dedications like it's the weirdest really? thing and yours yours to each other uh I don't even remember I remember. like <laughs> they're right at the end as well like and I don't even know why I read them because usually I mean so much of that is usually for the people it's dedicated to yeah right like so you don't I don't I don't know just sometimes don't read them but I'm obsessed with reason them. they're lovely and the way mm. that you speak of each other and it with such an economy of words too because you didn't have that much space yeah. like I imagine you would have essays of stuff to say about each other Mm. if you had the time but it was just like worded in such a way that represents how your relationship is and I just like the way that the last line of the whole entire book let me find it is about um Zara's like apple cider vinegar (laughs) salmon and rice like it was just so beautiful because like no one else would have any idea why that was just so Mm. you guys but I loved that so much very last question and this is so random and I didn't even have it on my list, but I've just suddenly thought <laughs> if you could write your next book on anything, like separate, like, of course, you're going to write another shameless book. And of course, you will write <laughs> another book. Like, I love that voice was a whole section. Mm. I love that you guys like really do empower your community to use their voices, develop them and not be scared about what comes out. Mm. But if you could write a book about anything in the world, 
So like <laughs> out of pure interest and just for the sheer sake of like how interesting it would be to you, like I would write something about the Holocaust, mm. which is I would never write something about the Holocaust because I have no experience, no connection. Like mm. there's no reason why anyone would read it, mm. but I would love to go through the process of what that involved just intellectually. Mm. Is there anything that you guys would just like for shits and giggles write about? Oh, what a question. I'm out Zara, of ideas. I'm hoping that you've got something up in your brain right now because I am coming well, up completely it's... dry. I mean, I'm very I mean, dry. We love, we love love. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was going to say love. It sounds a bit naff, but I think I love writing about love and relationships and people. Mm. Like I love that and I love observing mm. them, whether that's heartbreak or people falling in love or it is like the relationship between family. Like I, I think it would be something in that realm. Zara and I are obviously straight women. And our yeah. experiences of love and dating are pretty, like, limited. So mm. it would probably be going outside of that and looking at yeah. the different forms that love can take. Oh, and my God, I bloody me. love you guys. <laughs> We'd write about love. I'm like, I'd write about the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't this like us? Every time I ask you what you've been watching or doing, you've been like, true crime. Like, yeah. <laughs> I literally have. It's the worst, except, you know, one of the things I've learned is that you just can't fight the things you find interesting. Like, no, definitely point? not. <laughs> Embrace it. it, Sarah. What have you guys been doing to play TA to get a break from writing your book? <sighs> and you know what? I found that because our books are both quite all-encompassing, like they're about mm, life, yeah. it's actually very hard to get a break from life. Yeah. So, like, what have you been doing to, like, get your brain out of it? It's hard to get plans? your brain out of it because, um, as I said before, I think the reason that self-doubt has been so loud is because I haven't really had any other identity apart from my work identity since we've been in lockdown like who else can you can be who else can you be if you're not working in this time because there's nothing else to do that said I don't know my boyfriend likes to cook a lot and I'm not very good but I just stand beside him in great random things <laughs> while he does all the heavy lifting in the Hollywood <laughs> stuff but I do enjoy that I think um it's become like a great way that we spend our weekends at the moment and it is kind of the only mm. place where I'm not on my phone because you can't be and you're not really mm. anywhere else but in that moment so grading grating cheese and cutting up garlic yum um nice. i'm so hungry now <laughs> same i'm so hungry uh it's hard right playing to yay is difficult but my i guess i find my yay at the moment by going to the dog park with my boyfriend and our <gasps> puppy, puppy benji <laughs> and it is the best honestly like getting a dog in lockdown has been so brilliant because we take him to the dog park whenever it's sunny or whenever it's not raining we take him every afternoon to a local dog park and there is just a bunch of puppies there like a bunch of puppies probably upwards of 20 at any given time and we let Benji off the leash and he just sprints over to his friends and they just wrestle and <laughs> chase each other and play for like and there's like there's two Charlies there's Rosie like we know all the dogs names it's like a weird kindergarten going on at the local dog park and that's brilliant like it's just so sunshiny for me and Mitch to experience that at the end of every workday where we can, because what's better than like watching a bunch of dogs have the time of their lives Nothing. running around. And I think it's just so wonderful for us to get some fresh air and just watch him play. I think a bunch of babies having the time of their life would be the only thing better than that. Yeah. <laughs> but with puppies interspersed. Like, yeah. Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And very last question, guys, in the space between now and mm. your next decade, when of course there will be another book, 
about your thirties, <laughs> I can consult because I'm very well experienced People now. People said this to us, right? And I was like, I haven't even thought of that, but I guess it's the sequel. But you've actually locked in now this concept for every decade of your life. You have to do a book about the space <laughs> between <laughs> that next decade. That. What would you absolutely kill to achieve? Like what is one thing you would love to say that in the space between now and 30 you would have done other than write the 30s version of this book? Because between obviously now and 30. You know what? I just want to travel with my boyfriend. Yeah. Like I'd love to put something careery down, but it's I even just better go... if you don't. I love that you don't. Yeah. I just want to go to Europe with Mitch and I want to travel around Greece and go mm. to the UK and Italy and enjoy travel because I think it's having having had it take be taken away from us. We yeah. were supposed to be going this year and obviously couldn't has really made me like want to relish those moments together. It's such a privilege to be able to travel. It is such an insane privilege. And so I can't wait for the day that we can do that again. And I'm hoping it's in the next couple of years. I want to nurture the side of myself that is not working. Like I really want to nurture that identity. And I think Misha's right. I think a huge part of that would be being able to travel or just having my friends over for dinner. And I've really felt, I've really felt that keenly absent a sense of identity that I have outside of work in the last sort of Mm. four or five months. And I found it really hard. So all I want is to just sort of be at a social gathering or I want to go to a bar. (laughs) I really want to go to a fucking bar and drink an overpriced cocktail. And not think about work or who I am at work, but think about like how beautiful the company around me is and how much fun I'm having or how happy I am to be in the presence of people that I love. Like I want to nurture that and I want that to be a priority in the next few years. Um, Mm. I mean, work can take care of itself. I know how to give myself over to work, but I want to give myself (laughs) over to the other part of me. We know it too well. (laughs) We give ourselves over too readily. I'm so excited just to like, take a holiday and drink cocktails mm. and eat good food with my mates and stuff like that. I'm craving family time as well. But that's actually really revealing in itself that when you were talking to Emma and Cyan in the book, who are both incredible, yeah, the overarching like reflection was that from your early to mid-20s, it's okay to not have platier. Like you're meant mm. to, you're establishing yourself. It's okay to give yourself over 100% to work because that's how you get the privilege of then not doing that yeah. l- later. And they kind of both said they don't regret not having balance then, but it's now as you enter like a more established part of your career that you're allowed to start wanting other things. Mm. And I love that, you know, that just comes back to that whole idea in Seizing Your Yay that every chapter will demand different things of you, but your priorities will also be really different. Yeah. Mm. And just one last thing I'd love to, to mention is just to shout out both of your partners because I think <laughs> – One of the biggest things I've learned about feminism is that sometimes it diminishes the role that powerful, independent, and I think you guys mentioned non-dependent, which I also think was an amazing term. Yeah. Sometimes it can downplay the role that men play in helping build strong women. Mm. And I can wholeheartedly say as an independent career-driven woman, I still wouldn't be here without my partner. Like there's, if we didn't have a good and really respectful relationship that allowed me to shine, like I would... I wouldn't be able to do it. So I love the way that you both really describe them so beautifully (laughs) and describe your relationships in such a loving way. And Zara, the way that you credit Ollie for seeing you through all the pain and helping you see like a new side of yourself. You just dealt with it so in such a lovely way. So shout out to them as well because they're the best. They They put up with a lot. (laughs) They put up with a lot and (laughs) I like – I adore Mitch because I think we've been together since before Shameless was a thing and he was just the most supportive, brilliant partner. 
and Ollie's incredible as well. Like we're just so, so lucky. Yeah, I think there's something uniquely, I've said it a couple of times as a joke, but I do think there's something very uniquely self-indulgent about this line of work because um, <laughs> you're putting yourself out there a lot and and your wins are very public. Yeah, Your losses yeah. are very public, but your wins are very public. And I don't know, I feel every win and loss so keenly and they're the ones on the front line kind of, you know working through all of those emotions all the time and um and that self-indulgence so they are <laughs> very good and very patient people and we are very very lucky to have them yeah well you guys congratulations on an incredible incredible book that is going to touch so many people's lives and be such mm. an antidote to loneliness and it's just joyful it is such a delight to read I like I'm ready to read it again already <laughs> you should be so so proud and it's been like a privilege to be on this journey together and Thank you, Sarah. Sarah, a, the biggest congratulations right back to you because we wrote a book together and I think that I said it's like the cheater's way to writing a book, writing a book by yourself and putting yourself <laughs> out there by yourself is a completely different experience and you have mm. done such a good job. And second to that, you are also the biggest cheerleader of us mm. and in our corner and uh, we are so, so grateful to have met you through this job. Like you are such a delight. Oh, we absolutely you adore you thank you so much for having us on again and like as Zara said meeting people like you through this job has just been so incredible and you are incredibly supportive and incredibly talented and your book is awesome as well so as much as I would love people to listen to this and go out and buy the space between <laughs> please 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 also buy Sarah's brilliant oh. new new work because it's just awesome and I think it will give so many people so much confidence to go out yeah. and do their thing oh you guys you're always just so kind and lovely thank you so much for another glorious chat it is always such a pleasure with you too thank you sarah <gasps> thank you guys little bit of a different one today but i do enjoy mixing things up from time to time and throwing a totally unstructured chat out there i'll pop the links to buy the space between in the show notes of course and please do show the girls some love if you listened along or have read the book tagging at shameless podcast or michelle sarah's pages which i will also include in the episode notes and of course don't forget your copy of the seize the yay book i could never have imagined how much the world would have changed between writing the book for you all and launching it or how much more relevant the many chapters on embracing discomfort, growing through challenge and the importance of positivity would end up being. It's been so surreal and just so delightful to see so many of you getting your copies and enjoying its pages. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for your love and support. I hope it sparks some new thought and reflection for you and gives you a little push on your way to yay.